This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcode.com. Welcome back to the Short Code Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. With me today on the microphone is Nick Lind. Hello. We've got Hillary O'Brien. Hey, guys. We've got DJ Maddie Mix. Hey, everyone. And we may be joined by the tardy Kyle Kinder uh, later on in the show. But if you uh, if you listen closely, you might hear the breathing of a another person. That is Dr. Ryan Gray is joining us. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was the whistling on my nose. (laughs) (laughs) Proprietor of the podcasting network, MedEd Media, host of a zillion podcasts focused on (laughs) advice for pre-meds and uh, and, and on getting into and succeeding in medical school. Dr. Gray, it is lovely to have you here at long last. I'm excited to be with you all at the Carver College of Medicine in spirit and through through, uh, these binary digits. It's amazing. Yeah. What's going on these days over at MedEd Media? I feel like oh, I, I feel like podcasts. I, yeah, I, I went there the other day, or actually a long time ago, actually, and I, I saw new podcasts uh, in in the pipeline. Yep. Yeah, we're working on a medical terminology podcast, mm-hmm. a Spanish for pre-meds podcast. Wow. A, yeah, more more podcasts, Dave. Basically, that's it. Um, if this is a podcasters anonymous meeting, I am I am the founding member. Do you, <laughs> <laughs> um, are you are you are you responding to um, needs that people have mentioned to you? Like we'd really like this, or are you are you? doing this because you think you see this gap somewhere? Um, These- I think it's it's a little of both. I think a lot of what I do and what I create is based on hearing the needs, right? I'm working on uh, a new website called findshadowing.com because pre-meds say that finding shadowing is one of the hardest things for them to do. And so uh, that's a big project we're working on. But yeah, the podcasts and everything I work on, it's like... I'm just I'm just listening, Dave. I, ha- I have my ears open and I'm listening. Well, that's good. Keep listening. Hang on just a second. I've left out a very important person. We have an observer here in the room today and I forgot to give her her headphones. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm real good at my job. <laughs> you've, you've proven that multiple times already. Real, real good. So you're still you're you're of course still advising pre-meds. You're still you've you've got a forum over there, a very active set of forums uh, that uh, th- that interested people can can join. Um, do you get a lot of your ideas on podcasts from the from the forums? Uh, from the forums, uh, more probably more accurately the Hangout, our Facebook group, at mm-hmm. premedhangout.com. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a super active thousand person or eleven eleven thousand person uh facebook group so um yeah i mean that's just just i 
I like to tell people that that my job is basically just hanging out online, talking to to little kids, and uh, yeah, um, <laughs> and that's not that's what I do, right? I I just uh, hang out online and in these groups where the, all the college students are and and chat with them. I, I like hanging out with young people because I'm because I'm like a <laughs> I'm like a youth vampire. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, please explain that. Yeah. Well, I just you know like I'm I'm 49 years old, you know, and I get to hang out with uh, a bunch of really cool young people and. And uh, and continue to pretend that I am uh, 25 to 30 years old <laughs> and uh, keeps me young. I'm a young, I'm a youth of am- You know, that's that's how I that's how I approach this whole podcasting thing. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad you're here today to be a uh, to be a co-host uh, of the Short Code podcast. And um, I thought we'd just do our regular show with you helping us out. Yes, uh, let's to, do it to do that. Does that sound good? All right. Good luck. All right. <laughs> Here's Although this. I can't like taste the weird things that you guys taste or put the weird things in your eyes that you do. Thank like God. you guys do yeah. some weird stuff there. So I'm yeah. glad I'm not actually there. Or yeah. torture. You know, uh, that, that stuff is expensive. Uh, <laughs> and unlike some people, I don't have a, a huge budget to do, uh, to do podcast stunts with. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we didn't, I didn't set any of those up today. Plus it's really hard to involve you in, in a, uh, in a remote internet stunt. So yes, I, I just decided not to do that. Anyway, I thought we'd start off with an ethical discussion today. Mm. Uh, one of the things we like to do on the show, Ryan Gray, or one of the, th- one of the things that I like to think of us doing on the show is showing the world how medical students think, even if it's sometimes uh, how they think when they're having fun. So, uh, but in this case, this is, a, this is a serious topic. A super interesting article over at MedPage today last month asked an ethical question. Should the parents of a permanently neurodevelopmentally disabled child be allowed to freeze the growth of their six-year-old? Ooh, I read this one. Yeah, interesting, right? So uh, I'll just recap for listeners. Uh, the child is six years old. Article calls her Charity. Uh, She can't speak, walk, or hold her head upright, has a cognitive capacity of a four-month-old. She has four siblings. The parents are determined to care for her themselves and want want her to be a part of the family in a way that institutionalization uh, just wouldn't allow. Um, But they worry that as she grows, it will become too difficult for them to keep her at home. um, And she will, because she will always have to be intensely cared for. Um, they'll need to do things like carry her around the house, physically transport her to family events, um, uh, take care of her hygienic needs. I'm assuming that she will also um, experience complications from her inability to to move normally. Um, and her parents are also worried that she will uh, become an easy target for sexual abuse as she matures. So they have decided that they would like to seek treatment in which they freeze her in her six year old body is to, to the extent possible. Um, the treatment would include sterilization, removement, removal of uh, breast buds, hormone treatment to close growth plates, and prophylactic appendectomy. So here, that's the ethical question. Should the parents be able to freeze Charity's development at six years old to alleviate these problems? Discuss. Wow. <laughs> it's heavy, right? <laughs> that is, it's yeah. super heavy for this show. Uh-huh. But I was so interested in this in this topic, and I know it's not the first time this has come up uh, in the, in the news. Um, I think there was a, a child that was called Ashley in the news a few years ago. Um, that was also, um, you know, the parents were also considering this idea. Um, actually, I think they went through with it. Um, so anyway, I, th- I thought it would be interesting to um, to sort of bat it around. 
Well, and I, I think it's, you know, it, unfortunately, it's been all too common that we have forced sterilization mm-hmm. on a lot of individuals with developmental disorders and and uh, things like that. So I, I think it's probably more common than at least that aspect of it. It's yeah. probably more common than we we really normally think of. But uh, yeah, I know we, we recently had a lecture in our math three class about sexuality and um, intellectual disability. Um, and we had an interesting conversation about how even if cognitive capacity is reduced um, and individuals sexual development or sexual drive isn't always reduced mm-hmm. um, and that perhaps there is a um, right to uh, have sex, risk. have sexual experiences. Yeah, exactly. There's always, you know, sort of um, a risk in doing that, but there is a right to risk. And obviously we're not able to ask this patient. He's, um, I, I can't remember her name, but charity, charity, um, sort of informed consent in this, in this capacity, um, which makes it really difficult. Um, but I think it'd be very tragic. Um, you know, individuals who have intellectual disabilities are already um, blocked in so many ways to having meaningful relationships, whether they're sexual or otherwise, and often only see um, sort of like sexual contact in the form of abuse, which is incredibly sad. Um, and so it's, it's a very like complicated issue to try and approach. And I don't know, it, it, it might be robbing like charity of her, her rights as a developing human being. What do you think, Dr. Ryan Gray? So but before I give my final thoughts, my, which is the right answer, of course, uh, <laughs> I, uh, there, there was an amazing radio lab series that they did uh, this year called G, I think um, it was all about uh, intellect and um, kind of IQ and, and where our IQ tests come from and so much mm-hmm. more. And then there, were, there was one episode in that series called Unfit, where they talked about the history of uh, for sterilization and so much more. So really, really good episode and, and series of episodes that mm. I think every pre-med and medical student should listen to. Um, but it's it's funny, Dave, listening to you kind of list off the, the things that the parents are worried about. As a parent myself, with two, two typical kids compared to their kid, I'm worried about all of those same things. And, and so it, at the end of the day, it seems like the parents are just like, our child in her state is going to be a burden to us. And so we just want to make it easier for us. Mm. Mm. Well, that's all it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's possible. I want to be clear, you know, it's possible that I'm that what I'm describing um, as the parents needs is, is uh, the, the way I've put it might, might be biasing the, the, the discussion a little bit. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's also, you know, these things also might make it actually just possible to care for her the way that they think that she should be cared for. Right. Well, when, when you say possible to care for her, what, what that is assuming and, and, and I agree with a lot of what you're saying, it's a little biased, but, but it's still their, their words are, it's possible to care for her the way that we want to care for her. Right. 
Right. And so I would love for my five-year-old to never grow up because I don't want to pay for her to go to college and I don't want for her to, to sexually mature. So I have to worry about everything uh, that parents have to worry about with their kids growing up and yeah. with sex and all that stuff. Right. Again, it all comes down to what the parents want. And, and it's like, well, screw nature. I don't, I don't care about any of that. That's a really good point because, uh, you know, you have young kids. My kids are my kids are older, and and one of the things I've learned as a parent, and Nick has uh, children. I do. Um, mm -hmm. You know, one of the things I've learned as the parent of older kids is it is is that you know maybe uh, I don't have to care for them physically as much anymore, but it also gets more complicated in other ways. So the 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 difficulty, the level of difficulty changes um, as they age. And it doesn't necessarily become more or less difficult. Um, uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, you could think, of, yeah, you could think of that as a burden. Um, if you were so inclined, I, I, I don't. Um, I don't know. We're joined by Kyle Kinder. Howdy, everybody. Um, I might have to turn up your microphone just a hair. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm late. I'm, uh, I'm moving. Oh. oh. Yeah. Hey, Dr. Gray. Hello, Kyle. Good to see you again. Nice to hear Talk, you. See hear you again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we should point out that that several of the people in this room, I think, listened to uh, at least one of your podcasts mm -hmm. in in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. You've got a, and and I think a couple of them have even been on the show before. Yeah, it's Pre true. Pre-med years are how I got turned on to the Short Code podcast. Mm -hmm. oh. oh, and the Short Code podcast is how. Carver was put on my radar. There you go. Why I'm here. So mm -hmm. thanks, Dr. Gray. Yeah, you're welcome. To continue. Glad to have helped. <laughs> to, to continue, um, they did a little survey. Um, I, uh, I, should, I should ask uh, Hillary, do you have anything you want to add to this? Well, I guess like one thing I would always like take into consideration is like you're, you're changing the hormones in this little girl's body. Like what sort of long lasting health impacts will that have when she's like 30 years old, 40 years old? Like if mm -hmm. she doesn't have like estrogen going throughout her body, like will she be at higher risk of osteoporosis, more likely to break bones later on, like those sorts of things. So I think there's a lot of like long-term risks for her if they do decide to go through with this. And I hope that the parents would have an educated discussion with physicians about like what those long-term risks are. It's not all just going to be great if they freeze their daughter at six years old. Yeah, that's not really entirely how it works, is it? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, sir, they, they uh, so they did a little survey uh, uh, along with the um, article. I guess this is a regular column that I hadn't run across before, but they did a survey of readers. Um, and 56% uh, said, yes, they should be allowed to freeze development. Um, and 58% said that they should not be forced to wait to see if cognition improves, which is another thing that we haven't yet discussed is that we don't know the future of her cognitive or of her, you know, we don't know her prognosis mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. um, well, we know what the doctors think their prognosis is, but we don't know how she might change. As of uh, 2016, at least uh, 65 <laughs> other children have undergone growth attenuation therapy. Um, so this is gonna, you know, this is not, um, it's not a common thing by any means, mm -hmm. but it's, um, apparently for some people it's an, it's an accepted, accepted treatment. Yeah. And like, I would like to know a little more about like what the exact treatment is too. Like she's having an appendectomy 
and like sterilization. What exactly does the sterilization entail? Like it's hysterectomy. With okay, full hysterectomy. And ovaries? Yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, uh, yeah. So okay. it's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. No, that's mm -hmm. a big surgery. Yeah. yeah. Much. And, you know, there's risk associated with the surgery, which they, they do address in the article. The parents are aware of the risks and feel like the risks are, uh, the benefits outweigh the risks. I'm just very glad I don't have to make this decision. <laughs> I know, you know, like that's, I don't that's, know what I would do. That's the other thing is, is you know, we can sit around and and debate this, but um, one of the things I've learned as a parent is you are judged constantly. <laughs> based, <laughs> I mean, do you agree, Doctor Gray? You're you're judged constantly on the things that you decide to do, the the inconsequential yes. inconsequential daily bullshit of 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 having children uh, exposes you to constant <laughs> judgment from your fellow human beings. And I think yeah. judgment from your children. Yeah, as the, yes. the kids, <laughs> even at an early age, yes. uh, they, all they're judging you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like my two-year-old judges me. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> I have been judged in parking lots and supermarkets and yeah. restaurants and all over the place. So. <laughs> yeah, the, the superpower of it all is to just don't care about other people's yeah. judgments. Yeah. They have no clue about your life and what you're going through. And the, the 40 things that your child just did for the one thing that you raised your voice at, and they just think you're a horrible person. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, it's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Uh. Hey, uh, hey, Kyle. Yes, sir. Uh, how much, uh, how much, uh, vinyl backed vinyl adhesive based fun have you been having recently? I'm sorry. What? Absolutely <laughs> zero. No, what? <laughs> uh, you haven't been having fun with adhesives? Oh, I, you know what? I, I locked in on vinyl and I thought you were talking about records. <laughs> this be, this be bits, bits of vinyl with adhesive on the back. Uh, well, okay, fine. All the tape with your uh, yeah. boxes and yeah. stuff? No, no, no. Oh, no. yeah. Here's the <laughs> deal. Here's why I ask. I have yeah. stickers for sale over at theshortcoat.com. Oh. <laughs> I have fantastic. no idea where this is going. <laughs> over at theshortcoat.com slash store. Uh, one of them I'm calling the Electric Brain Burger. Uh, Very cool. And, and, like a burger? Yeah. Well, you know, I do, that's just what it looks like to me. Um, and the other is our value sticker. If you want to go find out what I'm talking about, um, head on over to the shortcoat.com slash store. The proceeds from the sale of these stickers will go to the Patient Advocate Foundation. It's a national nonprofit that provides direct case management, or case management services and financial assistance to patients and caregivers. Uh, these include helping people navigate the healthcare system, working with healthcare providers, payers, employers to ensure that uh, they have access to affordable care, financial copay assistance, and teaching self-advocacy to patients and caregivers. I think it's something that we can all get behind um, in our fractured, annoying, uh, uh, sometimes useless healthcare system in the mm -hmm. United States. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah. Of America. Yeah. So please, definitely <laughs> so please go over there to shortcut.com and shortcut.com slash store. Uh, check it out and, uh, you know, give us a couple bucks. We'll send it on. We'll send it on directly to this foundation. Uh, we, I won't even take anything off the top. Not a, not a cent. Not <laughs> a ethical. cent. Um, I got a listener comment from uh, on the ADHD episode we did recently um, with uh, Jessica McCabe. Um, this comment is from Zaid, and I'd like to 
play it for you. I, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right. It might be Zaid. Yeah, you I guys. No are, idea. I, 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 we'll leave that to you. Okay, thank you. Here Please we write in if we get it wrong. <laughs> yeah, here we go. I'm an M1 with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and staying focused has always been a challenge. Over the years in undergrad and grad school, I found out ways to control my symptoms. I actually don't take medication for ADD and haven't for a long time. In a way, being able to manage the symptoms on my own is rewarding. It would be interesting to see if there are others in medicine who have ADD but don't take medications for it. I think the emphasis on systems is key. I've read James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, and having a good study system as well as good habits is key. One thing I've found is that having an idea of what I want to get out of a particular study session, and being able to visualize future study tasks being completed, is really helpful. I really like using visualization, and if things make sense as a mental plan, not just something written on a calendar, but something I can visualize, it's easier to stay focused. Thank you, uh, Zaid, or Zaid, uh, whichever you prefer. Uh, appreciate your uh, your uh, writing in to uh, to share that with us. Yeah, um, it's always always good to hear from listeners that they uh, that they're interested in what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's talk about some news. You ready for this? <sighs> sure. Bring it on. Have you considered <laughs> team, Doctor Gray? What was your what was your specialty? I was a general practitioner, uh, but more badassly named a flight surgeon in the air force god i love that that sounds very cool cool. name did you did you ever consider emergency medicine no i wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon that was the only reason i went to med school anybody else here considering emergency medicine no yeah no you are probably really maybe or would you consider doing practicing emergency medicine in a suburban industrial park in a windowless room in a cubicle uh with video screens with a team you may not have ever met and not being able to uh, touch the person or interact with the patient except via video conference. Does that sound good? Mm. Yeah, probably, probably not. I, I used to work in a call center. It sounds like a call center. Yeah. Yeah. I used to do internet uh, service <laughs> provider tech support a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it sounds like that to me. Well, there's a Washington Post article about just that sort of career in telemedicine. Uh, Avera eCare physicians work in their technological cubicles in that suburban industrial park to deliver remote emergency medical care to patients in 179 hospitals in 30 states. I kind of had no idea that this was, I mean, I, you know, everybody talks about telemedicine, mm-hmm. but I didn't have really any idea that it had gone to this level, Me you know, um, these hospitals are typically in rural areas. They don't have full-time physicians or emergency rooms. Um, meanwhile, the number of hospitals in rural areas has declined uh, up to 50%, 15%. And the number of emergency room patients has gone up 60% mm. in the last decade. Um, and hospitals are having trouble paying for uh, on-site doctors. They leave nurses or physician's assistants in charge. So that in, in these hospitals, the arrival in the clinic of a patient with emergency medical needs an emergency physician is there via teleconference to guide the team on things like intubation, mm-hmm. um, heart attack treatment, trauma. I guess whatever comes mm-hmm. in, uh, I, you know, okay, so here's the thing. Here's, here's what I, as I said, I worked in an in, in internet service provider tech support. It was among the worst jobs I've ever had in my life. <laughs> um, you, you know, 
uh, guiding my grandma through how to connect to the internet um, uh, without being able to just take over and click the button and I had to describe to her oh yeah. like <laughs> how these uh, how these things were to take place. That was awful. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I was any good at it, um, but that's what I did. But I can't imagine trying to intubate somebody or describe how to intubate somebody yeah. uh, remotely because that's what you're doing. And I would assume you probably have like cameras and stuff. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, so I mean, it's like watching a train wreck. I, <laughs> 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 Fast motion. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I mean, I guess, it, you know, they're doing a lot of business. I mean, certain things like a heart attack, like helping them with the management of it. Like I could see where you could do the majority of that maybe over telemedicine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Having someone One, intubate though, that is kind of scary. Yeah. It depends on like their experience intubating. Like you would be having a team of members that you've never interacted with before you have no idea what their skill level is. Have they ever intubated a patient? Have they ever mm -hmm. intubated like a practice dummy before? You just have no idea. That yeah. would be terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah one, one thing that I'm aware of because my wife is a neurologist is, is emergency rooms that don't have access to a neurologist there yeah. will do telestroke. Mm -hmm. And so there's still the emergency medicine physician but it's a neurologist who is there doing the telestroke, helping them run through the stroke protocol, the TPA protocol rather, to determine whether or not to push TPA. Because it's it's in most states or in many states, uh, only a neurologist can order the TPA to be uh, administered. And really? So, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting thing there. But it's it's funny. I always joke with patients and and pre-meds and other people. I'm like, we're gonna get to a place like you're describing where we have these physicians in rooms, it's like uh, where the patient is still at home, maybe not emergency medicine care, but more primary care. It's like, okay, now it's time for the physical, physical exam. Okay. Push, push on your belly. What right here? What does that feel like? Okay. No, no, push a little deeper, a little deeper. Okay. Let go really quick. Um, and, and it's just, and, and I think we'll get to a certain point, right. With just technology where we will have, uh, an electronic stethoscope that yeah. will go in a kit to a patient to say, okay, uh, this patient's having some shortness of breath. Great. I can do a telehealth call mm -hmm. and have them put the stethoscope on their chest and I can see where they're holding it and tell them to move it. And I can hear it because it's connected through Bluetooth to the computer or whatever. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of things that technology and I'm a huge tech nerd. And I think technology, I, I think as humans, we under appreciate undervalue and, and also under, um, uh, I can't think of the right word, but, but we don't think that technology is going to take over as much as it will. Um, and, and so I, I think we are much closer to machine learning and AI doing a lot of our radiology stuff. I re you talk to radiologists, they're like, no way. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you just wait and see. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I'm a huge tech fan. I just think it's, it's scary when you have the doctor in a in a remote room um and then other people doing other things it's it's kind of scary i'm looking forward to um to uh doing my own uh essentially doing my own colonoscopy while the director <laughs> while the doctor tells me how yeah. to i thought you were gonna that. say prostate exam <laughs> <laughs> oh wow uh, i mean super too, comfy Dave. both of that. them yeah uh, uh, you talk know about I, the bell run of the stars. 
<laughs> Gonna have your own anal mirror too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. Able to take little biopsies. If I'm in a rural area, who's gonna do it? You know. But I think that point is, uh, you know, true. Like, what's the alternative for some of these rural areas? Uh, you know, I used to live in Kansas, and uh, you get to Western Kansas, and ain't nothing and, there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Eastern uh, Colorado uh, as well, in Nebraska. I mean, there's nothing there. There is nothing there at all, and uh, the hospitals struggle to find any doctors. And you know, I I can see it having its role. It's not ideal. Uh, the the ideal thing is to have more providers, but uh, what else can you do? The the standard rate is uh, seventy thousand uh, dollars a year for for a hospital to engage with this company. Um, cool. The company responds to fourteen thousand emergencies uh, every year, so they're doing you know they're doing business at a pretty good clip. So mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. they're they're filling a need. Anyway, look, guys. I think we should apologize. Sorry. Sorry. In fact, all media should apologize, according to the anti-vaxxer group Crazy Mothers. Oh, no. We shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) On on their Instagram and Twitter, which boasts following counts totaling nearly 20,000, they've posted a call to the media. They'd like us to stop calling them anti-vaxxers and start referring to them as the vaccine risk aware. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) They say the term anti-vaxxer is derogatory, inflammatory, marginalizes women and their experiences. Um, so, uh, I don't know. Are we going to start doing that? No. You guys? No. We are not. No. Some who've commented on Twitter have proposed other alternatives like med- medically illiterate murder clowns. Uh, <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Sign me up. Self-indulgent and irresponsible crazy person was another suggestion I liked. Um, but, you know, let's not judge. Like I said before. Life is full of judgment. Let's not judge. Um, MIT released news of a really, a really interesting birth control contraption this week. Uh, it's a birth control pill that lasts up to a month because of its novel construction. And, and by construction, I don't mean formulation. I mean construction. It is a star-shaped doodad. Uh, about one, it looks like about one or two inches in diameter. I don't have the exact measurements, but there were people holding it in pictures I've seen. And, uh, I figured that's about right. The star is folded up into a capsule shape. It's covered in a gelatin, uh, capsule. And when it dissolves in the stomach, the polyurethane arms unfold in the stomach where the star remains for weeks Uh, on each arm of the star are reservoirs containing uh, I'm not going to pronounce this right. Levonorgestrel. Lev- levonorgestrel. How'd I do? Do you want to correct me? <laughs> I don't know, I've, I've never had to pronounce it out loud before. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Gray, do you have any suggestions? <laughs> uh, uh, Wikipedia. Okay. Great. Uh, each arm's reservoirs are surrounded by polymers that dissolve at different rates. So when all the polymers dissolve over the course of the month, slowly releasing their payloads. And then... The arm's connection to the center hub dissolves and everything is now able to pass out of the stomach through the digestive tract and out of the body. What do you think? I mean, I am all for women having more options about how to take control of their own health. So it's great that they're looking into this. I think it would be great for like if it becomes affordable, like for people who do just want to take something every month because it's a lot easier to take something every month. Rather than I don't know why is pill, it but. why is it easier to take stuff every month? I find that if I don't have to do something every day, 
I have no ability to build up a habit. No, but like you can just put a phone reminder. How do you pay like your bills? Once a <laughs> That's why he's married. I, I got married. <laughs> I have a responsible, other responsible human being. Your anniversary. That's once a year. Ooh. Or your no. birthday. Sometimes. Or somebody else's <laughs> birthday. Sometimes I've had problems in those regards. I am excited for this. Um, at first when I read it, like was looking at it, I was like, "Oh my god, I don't know if I want that in my stomach." I mean, it's like, kind of my huge. gut. My gut reaction. It's huge. <laughs> but you don't have to swallow that. I mean, it's folded up when you swallow. Well, what if it? you get stuck somewhere? Thing you swallow though is like a hefty size. <laughs> like you have to be able to swallow pills. Well, um, it looks quite hefty. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to know like how certain they are that all the pieces will yeah, do you have to... be passed. Yes. Yeah. Dark... In the time or, frame. Or does it come with a string like an IUD and you just pull it right back out? Oh, oh I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> Dr. Gray, Nick, have you ever been on a marble watch before? Do you know? No. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. When when a child uh, swallows a marble, I've been I've been lucky. I oh. haven't had to look for any marbles. What yeah, about no. What about you? At least Ryan? not that I know. What about you, Dr. Gray? No, no, I have. Oh, it was awesome. I you know I've had in like the last year or so. I think it might have to do with med school. I've had these terrible nightmares where I wake up having thought that I swallowed a my keys or, <laughs> or something really like just unshapely, you know, just not something you should be swallowing. And then like, I, I literally run to my bathroom and like try to hack it out for about 20 seconds before I realize it was just a dream. Oh my oh, yeah. yeah. That's uh that's intense, man. It, 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 it is. I would really like you to like look up in a dream book, what that means and like, report back to us. <laughs> Um, yeah, my, my, uh, my daughter, uh, swallowed a marble. There was a lot of poop checking in the next, uh, I don't know, four or five days or so, mm-hmm. uh, before we located the marble. I'm just imagining that this would, I mean, you might want to, you might feel compelled to do this the first few time, first few months that you yeah. do this. And they did uh, make a good point in the article too, about like, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done on like delivery device itself. Because I mean, if you have GERD, like or a higher level of acid in your stomach yeah. does that mean it's not gonna it's gonna degrade faster and then like oh whoopsie baby yeah because like it passes yeah. too mm. soon like, yeah, there's, yeah i don't know it's exciting but mm. yeah I still also, some I, things i want to know about it i didn't look at any of like the contraindications but if you mm-hmm. had like an ulcer or any type of like irritable bowel syndrome yeah. you know i don't know if that's been looked into yet well they're they are so well they, they've done uh uh they've done work with pigs um, and so mm-hmm. I think the next step is to, yeah, they've got some stuff to work out, but, uh, really interesting, kind of a cool looking little thing too. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Wow. Did you guys hear this week about a study out of, from our very own institution that shows, uh, YouTube is the most frequently used educational video resource for surgical prep. I did not know that, yeah. but I would <laughs> believe sense. it yeah. because I used it all the time. <laughs> Fourth year medical students pursuing general surgery, general surgery residents and faculty surgeons in the Department of Surgery were surveyed about resources they use to prepare for surgery. Among those who use video, YouTube was the most popular place to go, although medical learners use that source more than faculty. Go figure. Hmm. Um, The faculty tend to gravitate more to medical society websites and commercial videos. Um, But it reminds me that it's also where your patients will be uh, heading to mm-hmm. learn about the latest developments in medicine. 
um, you know, worth, worth thinking about. So uh, let's see if you can answer the questions in this audio pop quiz oh boy. I have for you. Dr. Gray, you might want to, uh, you know, get a piece of paper or something or your phone or whatever to, well, we have to, to write the answers down. Oh, heavens. We're writing uh, answers down? Because we'll review them after each question. It's like a test? I know. Yeah, it's a test. I, I'm a medical. Anxiety I'm a, about this now. I am a real medical educator. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> yes. I just swallowed my keys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This first audio clip uh, comes to us courtesy of CBS News. Uh, let's hear it. In Health Watch, a new study is raising okay. concerns over the use of permanent. Products. The study, published Wednesday, says these products could increase the risk of breast cancer, especially among African-American women. So, yes, we've got a class of products that's causing breast cancer. Do you happen to know what this class of products is? Um, it's especially problematic for women, uh, for, for African-American women. Let's hear this. The oh, yeah, I do know this. Permanent hair dyes and straighteners is one choice. Mm -hmm. THC vapes. Tal talcum powder or nail polish and nail polish remover, which is the correct. Can we say it? I know it. You know it? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody don't anybody want to anybody who doesn't feel like they know it want to take a guess? I have no idea. I, I, no idea. Come on. I'm going to guess. Tell. Tell. Ta All right. Wrong. That's that's one. Oh, it's wrong. Just, <laughs> apparently I'm wrong. Wow. Who's the gunner? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maddie, Kyle, you want to hazard a guess? Uh, was it the last one? With the, uh, the, yeah. the nail nail polish nail and nail polish. polish remover? Yeah. I would have guessed that one. Okay. No, it's uh, it, it well, okay, okay, so uh, it's hair dyes. It's hair dyes. Hair dyes. And, yeah. and straighteners. Was that your answer, yeah. Dr. Gray? Yep. Uh, yeah, hair, 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 permanent hair dyes and straighteners um, is the latest health scare. I listened to a podcast about it recently, but I can't for the life of me remember which one it was. Mm. Mm. Must not have been a very good podcast. Mm -mm. Not as good as this <laughs> I, one. I think I just listened to too many. That is my problem right now. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the club. I know. Thank you. <laughs> When's our next anonymous meeting? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, even Thanos isn't immune to health crazes. Uh, Josh Brolin was in the news this week after he took to Instagram to relay his experience. Here's a clip from Newsbot Entertainment on YouTube, which I'm sure is a legitimate news source. Let's hear this. My is crazy burned, and I was going to spend the day shopping with my family, and instead I'm icing and using aloe and burn creams because of the severity of the pain. Uh, I know this one too. I know this one too. <laughs> what did, what? I have too much time on my hands right now, guys. <laughs> what did Thanos burn? <laughs> Dr. Gray, do you know? Um, I do know. Okay, all right, all right. I'm online too much. Anybody not know at this point? This, if you were, if you were under a rock, you might not know. Yeah, it was like on everything. Yeah, I don't know. Kyle doesn't. Know. I'm I have under no a rock. Idea. All right, well let's uh, let's let's give you some choices here. Was it A his scrotum, uh, B his per perineum? See the bottoms of his peat, uh, his peat. See <laughs> <laughs> the bottoms of his feet, or D his soft palate. Oh, uh, perineum. He has a giant head. I thought you were. That's true. That is true. So soft, soft palate is a good option. 
and go with soft palate. <laughs> I really thought you were going to say, he else. has a giant <laughs> perineum. <laughs> yeah, he, in fact, he burned his uh, his taint. Uh, oh, yeah. the yeah. gooch? Yeah, he burned his gooch. <laughs> well, who was going to, Dr. Yeah. Ray, I think you guys all mm, yep. got that one right. That's not too hard. You would think he'd probably burn a scrotum a little bit then, too. Yeah. How did he but, yeah. how, but how? That's the important oh, question. Oh, no, 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 no. They, they, like, yeah, I guess they we were sunning. Like, yeah. that's like a new thing yeah. that was recommended. Spread eagle. Yeah, yeah like spread eagle sun your to the sun. Oh. You got to you gotta get some vitamin D from your from your butthole region. And <laughs> he's got a vitamin D enema. <laughs> and <laughs> the, this, uh, as I understand it, this took off... Um, uh, at the uh, because of an Instagram post from some lifestyle guru who <laughs> who claimed that you know by sunning your uh, perineum you absorb the light's rays and it goes up into your body um, and is an overall benefit for your health. Just sure. think of all those poor dermatologists that are really going to have to check out people's perineums the, now. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. No, thank you. Well, I hope it keeps them sober. Think of the the discomfort. Mm. <laughs> sounds terrible i'm glad uh, i mean you know i guess in a way it's good that uh mr brolin uh had this experience right away right because you know maybe one burn uh might not be enough to cause uh melanoma of the taint um <laughs> but you know if it had been if there had been exposure over time maybe that would have caused i don't know much about cancer but it seems like if <laughs> if there was exposure over time that would be worse right yeah that's how it works exposure and, and like the more sunburns you get like the worse it is right too. yeah what about the itching like when the oh. skin is oh, healing yeah. the terrible. itching would be oh terrible yeah it heal yeah it's gonna be blistery. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I would have to fill him i would fill my bathtub with aloe he can afford it, I'm sure. Right. If yeah. you're Josh Brolin, if <laughs> yeah. you're Thanos, man, you can fill your bathtub with whatever you want. All right. Uh, the Rachel Ray Show uh, featured a recent appearance by celebrity nutritionist Carrie Glassman. Uh, here's a, uh, a clip that I will cue up here. So loaded with antioxidants, which we know are helpful for the immune system, specifically really high in vitamin C, and also a couple other antioxidants, quercetin and anthocyanins. And so really has been known to help boost that immune system. It's been used for centuries. There's actually even some research that has shown that it helps reduce the length and severity of a cold. However, oh, really? one really important thing, do not pick those berries. They're going to give you stomach distress, most likely, and may cause cyanide poisoning. Oh. <laughs> so... Awesome. Yes, we disclaimer. <laughs> we've got uh, we've got some sort of berries um, that are filled with antioxidants, but prepared improperly could kill you because of cyanide poisoning. Mm. Um, which what what is this? What is this miracle substance derived from berries? Is it uh, lingonberry jam? Mm. Is it tobacco berry juice? Is it holly berries, or is it elderberry syrup? Come on. I'm going Everybody knows this one. I think it's the Ikea berry. Any ideas? Dr. Gray, any, uh, any guesses? Um, From your advanced toxicology knowledge that you gained as a flight surgeon? 
Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'm going with holly berries. Yeah, I'll go with holly berries. All right. Yeah. Any, any, you guys want to guess? Anybody else? Are holly berries part of mistletoe? Uh, I bet they are. Probably not. <laughs> I don't know. Probably not. No. I think, isn't mistletoe uh, a different like, thing? Yeah, I think maybe. it's different. In my brain, they look the same. They're just both associated with Christmas, but I think they're different. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it. I, well, that's Can I true. give you cyanide poisoning? Yeah. I don't know. That's the question. Mm-hmm. Can you name that the movie that's quoted from the berries? Oh, what? Elder, Elderberry? Uh, Elder. Batman Returns. Oh. Oh. That's a quote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see it. All right. I didn't see it. Uh, Dr. Ray, you said something there? Elderberry? Is, it, is that one of the ones that you picked? Yeah, she's talking about elderberries. Huh. Yeah. The more you know. Yeah, elderberry syrup. If you want to put it in your 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 drinks, margaritas. I mean, sign me up. That'd be good, <laughs> I think. I don't, I, I don't actually know what elderberries taste like. It's I don't it, know either. I've had like something sort of like a White Claw, like one of those sparkling things that had elderberry in it, but it tasted fine. You millennials. I would, I would rather have named Younger Berry, and then I would be more likely to eat it. True, that's true. That's a, that's a branding problem right there. <laughs> exactly. What is it with White Claw and you young people? <laughs> there are no it's all about the bubbles. Claws. White Claw. I mean, why not just go and get a nice handle of vodka and... Yeah. Wow. Toss that. <laughs> yeah. That is very aggressive. Yeah, that. <laughs> Not medical advice. <laughs> I mean, we are in Iowa City. Well, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Hawkeye vodka. All right. Oh, I mean, what? It's tasty, and it's 100 calories per can, and it just feels light. I just mm. know that the last time uh, Kylie Miller was on the show, she uh, mentioned White Claw as well. So, all right. Here's the last one. Uh, the news reported on Extra TV a couple days ago has. It's viewers gasping in shock. Let's hear the uh, quote. Now is going public and I for one am flabbergasted. The man who once credited marijuana for saving his life because it got him off the booze and cigarettes says he quit smoking pot. What? I will note said he quit smoking weed. Don't be surprised if he opens his own bakery. I know this one. What celebrity quit cheeching this week? Uh, quit smoking the, the ganja. This week, is it Snoop? Mm. That's a good guess. Yeah. That's a good Never. guess. Never. <laughs> I have some choices for you: uh, oh. Pete Davidson, Snoop Dogg, mm. Woody Harrelson, or Willie Nelson. Oh, who, no way! It's Willie. No. Who quit smoking pot this week? Uh, Doctor Gray, do you uh, do you, do you have an idea? Have you heard this? Oh, I mean, out of all of those, I would either go Woody Harrelson or Willie Nelson. Okay. Uh, I I would go with the old dude. I would go with Willie. Like, when you get older, you're like, you know what? Maybe I should stop. Although, as I'm saying that, I'm like, you know what? When you get older, you're like, I'm going to die anyway. (laughs) It would be be embarrassing to die of nothing. I mean, you know. (laughs) Uh, Maybe Pete Davidson, you know? I can see that. Okay. No. See, see, for me, Pete Davidson uses it as like therapy. Yeah, he's yeah. he's self medicating. Who's yeah. Pete yeah. Davidson? He's, he's the on... Saturday Night Live. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, geez, he, never mind. Was okay. engaged to Ariana Grande for <laughs> yeah. a short while. Yeah. Yeah, that was short. He. No, uh, I live. <laughs> why do I not know these? Things? <laughs> <laughs> why do I know these things? Like I should. <laughs> much better things to fill my brain with. You guessed Snoop Dogg. Uh, nope. Uh, but I think. Uh, 
And what, did you have a guess, man? I think that's a fair guess. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, it's Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. Oh, really? Willie Nelson yeah. gave up oh. smoking weed. He might be ingest. He might be eating. He might be ingesting. You live in Colorado. You know this. You knew, you knew the answer just from <laughs> your life in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. When, it, when I just, I peruse around the, uh, the marijuana shops, you know, we just talk about this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the, that's the word on the street. Mm-hmm. Well, that is, that was my last question. I want to, um, I gotta, I gotta end the show. I gotta stop. Uh, Dr. Oh, Ryan Gray, oh. thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks for having me. Should do uh, it more often. Yeah, we should. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, go check out all of his stuff, all of our stuff over at, uh, mededmedia.com. He, he's, he's built a vast media empire just for our listeners. Uh, so please go and check uh, out all the all the great work his team he and his team of fifteen are doing. <laughs> <laughs> thank, you. thank you, uh, also Maddie Mix. Thank you. Uh, we're gonna do this. <laughs> we're gonna do this individual this time, Maddie Mix. Uh, Nick Lind. Yeah. Hillary O'Brien. You're very welcome. And Kyle Kinder. You're welcome. And of course, thank you, Short Quotes, for making us a part of your week. If you're new here and you like what you heard today, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever fine podcasts are available. Send your questions, listeners, as they are what we live for, because they mean the show can be about what you want it to be about. Send them to theshortcoats at gmail.com, or you can leave us a message at 347-SHORT-CT, and we'll talk about that instead of the crap that I come up with. While your podcast app is open, give us some stars and a review to let us know that we're doing right i uh apple podcast user elena i think did that and she says she loved our recent microaggression episode and we made her laugh at the game thank you elena the show is made possible by a generous donation by carver college of medicine student government and ongoing support from the writing and humanities program our opening music is by dr vox and our closing music is by Catmosphere. talk to you in one week